Hi, I'm Ayelet Marinovich, your host. Welcome back to Strength in Words, a family enrichment program for parents, caregivers, and infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. Each week we get together to sing a few songs, discuss some ideas for play, and outline some insight about early development. This series is time for you to be together and to feel like you're doing something good for and with your baby, small child, or multiple young children. Please follow your child's lead. I am a speech and language pathologist and I specialize in work with very young children, but this is not to be confused with speech therapy. This is what I call family enrichment. All suggested activities are meant to be enjoyed by your baby under close adult supervision. For a more complete story of Strength in Words, please listen to my introduction episode or visit my website, strengthinwords.com. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here today. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here. We can start by saying hello to the people who are with us. Hello to Ayalet, hello to the singers, hello, 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 hello. Hello to the babies, hello to the toddlers, hello, hello, hello. Hello to the children, hello to the grown-ups, hello, 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 hello. Hello to your friends, hello to my friends, hello, hello, hello. Since I don't know your name, I'll help you sing the song and you can fill it in. Ready? Hello to your child's name. Hello to your name. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. We have another special guest today, Anya Witkowska, a somatic movement educator and therapist. So let's all say hello to Anya. Hello to Anya, hello to our bodies, hello, 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 hello to all our old friends, hello to all our new friends, hello, 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 one last time, hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here today, hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here. Today I have a special guest to welcome to Strength in Words, Anya Witkowska, a somatic movement educator who is based in Berlin, Germany. Welcome, Anya. Thank you, Ayelet. It's lovely to be here. It's great to have you. So I think people would love to know what exactly a somatic movement educator is. What is somatic movement what do you do? Ooh, that's a big one. <laughs> Somatic movement educator is a, is a very general term. Yeah. So it encompasses a lot of different ways of working with the body. Some of the modalities people might be familiar with are something like Alexander Technique or Feldenkrais, Continuum Movement, various kinds of yoga might be termed somatic movement. Body-mind centering is an American form of somatic movement therapy and education. And integrative bodywork and movement therapies, the training that I finished up with. What all of these forms have in common is that you're not just working with the body as a physical entity, but you're also encompassing in your work the quality that the body 
houses the body, the mind is part of the body. Mm-hmm. They're all one thing. Mm-hmm. There's a lovely quote that I wrote down and brought with me to tell you because I wanted to get it co- correct. It's by Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen, who's the founder of Body Mind Centering. And she said, The mind is like the wind and the body like the sand. If you want to know how the wind is blowing, you can just look at the sand. And so that, this kind of ethos that you're not just working with some kind of physical education, mm-hmm. but you're working with a whole person is, is key to all these different ways of working. So some, how does it happen in the world? So some people will work with performers, some will work with people with disabilities or special needs, a lot of people working with kids with ADHD, mm-hmm. attention deficit disorder. People are working uh, in rehab after post-operative rehab, working with people with chronic pain, stress injuries, that kind of issue, chronic health problems. And I choose to apply the work to children, mm-hmm. to parents, to babies. Mm-hmm. That, that was my interest and my passion, really. So I'd love to have you describe some of the types of sort of workshops and classes that you run and the kinds of activities that you find helpful to bring that connection that I know you do out between a baby and a parent or a caregiver. Yeah, I think the essence of my work in all the different kinds of workshops that I do is to help parents actually find this sense of embodiment. By embodiment, I mean that physical felt sense of connection with yourself, an understanding of your body, not an intellectual one, but one that overrides that. Mm kind of ability to express, communicate and see that physical connection in your child, Mm. observation. Mm -hmm. And the tools that I give them, the the information I try and pass over is, number one, the fact that our children develop through movement and touch. That's That's the key way. So this first year is a beautiful dance of development we call it the developmental movement sequence mm-hmm. and parents often know it as the movement milestones sure. already this sets up an opposition with the way i work and the way the world sees movement right so the world is saying can your baby roll if yeah. they can't roll by five <laughs> months oh dear we've got to see a specialist <laughs> or can your baby sit you know sit up mm-hmm. all these stages whereas for me it's the process of this movement development that's interesting and important We all take a different kind of time frame to learn different things. There's a psychological connection Mm -hmm. to how we progress through this pattern. So if parents know what they're looking at, know how this progression is going to work, it not only gives them very important information as kind of an essential, they can see the essential need of their child. Mm -hmm. Without being told what to do, you can say, well, my baby needs to have this because that's just a physical need at this point. I can see it, I can see it in their body. How would I choose to give that to them? Mm. Um, and so you can, it gives you, kind of empowers you to make your own decisions about your parenting. And I think that's vital because that's the fun of it. You know, it's, a, right. it's one of the most creative acts we have in most of our lives. You know, we have office jobs, we have maybe jobs we love, but actually the real creation of our lives is creating that family, making it the place where we feel happy, that we love to be in, that we spread joy and happiness <laughs> in the world. So... It should be fun. I know it's stressful. I know it's hard. I know it brings you against, you know, these problematic issues about yourself and all this kind of stuff. But at the heart of it, you want to have a nice time in your life. We all do. Yes. Why not? <laughs> I, think, I think you've hit upon something really important, which is 
that I think a lot of us as parents and as adults in general, it's much easier to listen to the resources that are out there that say, your child should be sitting up, for instance, by this age. Look, here's a product you can buy to help him yeah. do that. Instead of, let's look at what your child is doing. Let's move into these positions. Let's play in this way that gives him support or supports him to learn how to move in a certain way to get himself into that. And you also said something earlier about how it really is the process of movement that helps children learn yes. instead of us putting them in positions. Totally, totally. It's very, very important. For example, sitting up mm -hmm. is one of the classics. Mm. I see it all the time. Of course. People are trying to sit their babies up. Now, they're reading a desire from their child. You know, right. a child wants to be vertical like everyone else around them. Mm -hmm. Of course, they know that. That's their first thing. That's their mission in life. They want to walk. <laughs> they want to sit up. And that you're not saying, don't do that. Of right. course, you want to support them to do that. But there's, an, I suppose, an, an element of if you put someone in a position before they can put them mm. themselves into it, then you're telling them in, a, in a, some kind of way, you're telling them they can't, they're not able to. They're not able to look after themselves. So when you put a child in sitting up, not only is their spine not ready to take their weight physically, mm. so number one, you know, from a very basic physical perspective, you're not doing their spine a lot of good. Number two, because the back muscles are much more ready to take the strain and are much more developed than the abdominal musculature mm. at, at this age, the, at the baby stage, what happens is you're setting up an imbalance between the muscles of the front of the abdomen and the back. Mm. So the back muscles will start to get stronger and stronger because they're trying to hold the child up without the right equivalent amount of support from the abdominals because they're just not ready to do it. Mm. So you set up an imbalance that in later life can create problems with mm. lower back pain. But apart from anything else, the reflexes, to pr the protective reflexes of putting your hands out in front if you're about to fall down or to the side if you're going to fall to the side, to the back if you're going to fall to the back, are not there. So if I fall forward, I can't look after myself. I'm going to fall flat on my face. Now, of course, your parent is not going to let you fall flat on your face. Right. But this is something very elemental here. I'm, your parent is saying to you, you, know, you have to have me around to make, keep you safe. Interestingly, a baby can, sit, can get into sitting up by themselves. Around the same time, they can crawl mm -hmm. on hands and knees. Which, of course, so it's much later. has a much more variable spectrum than, than we think of. Exactly. And so it's a, it is a very difficult negotiation that parents need to make with their child about when, how, how often, how long for they sit up. So how do we negotiate that? You know, it very much depends on your child's personality. And so as a parent, if you have all this information, you're, you're really best placed to make those decisions. Number one, because it's your family and you have to do it. Number two, because you know your child and their personality. So there are a variety of ways you can address this issue. But it's really when you have all the tools and then the skills of observation to really see what's going on, then the ball's in your court and you can confidently make those decisions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. rather than listen to instructions. 
So let's hear about, because we've we've talked a bit about how there are so many tools on the market that take advantage of families to help your child into these movement milestones and help them develop. What are your sort of top three props or play materials or, or ways that families can interact mm. with these things in their homes? Well, the number one best all-time favorite is your parents body yep <laughs> you know we learn through relationship and the more physically connected the parent is the more comfortable or the more accepted a baby feels in all their presence mm. so being happy to really allow your baby to lie on you in different positions taking their weight through you one of the basic principles i work with is concept of yielding, that um, being able to yield your weight to gravity, mm. whether it's directly through to gravity on the floor or through your parents' body, that is also yielding, giving their weight to gravity, is one of the, the primary movers, the primary ways we, we learn our movement. We yield, we push, we reach, we pull, and therefore we locomote you know right and I think actually uh, I'm sure in fact a lot of occupational therapists and physical therapists would certainly agree with you about the way that for instance I think we've taken this a bit far but the idea of that specific movement of sitting up if you're sitting up and using your parents body to support mm -hmm. your, your back yeah. and your abdominal muscles as well that's a nice way for the baby to feel the sensation of sitting up, but not actually be supporting himself. Exactly. Yeah, there's many, and there's very many ways on your body you can do that. You mm. can have your baby light, you can have your feet on the floor, your knees up, and lie your baby on the thighs looking at you. Mm -hmm. You can be sitting on the sofa like I am right now and have them in the crook of your legs. You can just sit supported with a cushion behind you slightly on a slope and have them supported on your back you know there's there's a load of ways you can do that yeah. and and tummy time is a wonderful thing to do on a, on a parent's exactly, body exactly well. it's a great thing for dads to do yeah. with mums you know if the baby's breastfeeding it can be a like an invitation to have a good feed <laughs> and it all gets a little bit messy <laughs> but with you know it's a great way with dads especially if they've got hairy chests I mean what a <laughs> lovely opportunity for texture <laughs> it's very nice so yeah number one parent's body mm -hmm. and a parent who feels free with their bodies on the same level as their child down on the floor yes. rolling down being comfortable on the floor making sure as a parent you have enough cushions rugs around so you can always support your body so you can actually relax in that position and it's not something that feels strained mm -hmm. because that communicates to your child immediately if you're not happy they're not happy sure in terms of kind of general props very simple things so a piece of fabric i use organza Mm -hmm. chiffon is the natural fabric in this thing organza is a, a synthetic fabric that's transparent that comes in very beautiful colors i think i use about a two meter length mm -hmm. that's a hammock that's a snuggle that's a let's roll up and cuddle together activity mm -hmm. that's also really lovely really useful when baby is happy on their tummy and they're getting to that stage where they really, really want to move forward on their belly, reach out and go and grab the toy, whether it's around the corner, you know, or go around in a circle or straight ahead of them. But they're not quite managing the coordination or the effort to do it. And there's moments where they get really, really frustrated. If they're playing on an organza, you can just pull the organza. And you, as long as they're on their front, they yeah. have to be on their tummy so that their hands protect their heads. But if you pull it along, you, they actually move forward and it can be really a nice little bit of light relief 
break a cycle of frustration yes. for them, let them have a little breather, let them have a little experience, and then they can go back to trying again. So that's very useful, and for all ages of children. It's lovely. I, a lot of my groups, uh, when I'm working with older kids, I like to give parents ideas of how they can have a lot of rough-and-tumble play without so much risk. Because many of us are, you know, yeah, you see those dads, you know, or mums as well, that, you know, throw their babies up in the air and catch them. And I was always in awe of these people, but I, I never had the guts to do it myself. I was like, oh my God, no. But actually, that kind of play that challenges balance, that challenges direction, your whole physical self in space changes, rotates and, and moves forward and down. It's really good. It's really important for coordination of visual acuity so your eyes can read better. It's important for balance development, that kind of thing. So, but there's a lot of nice ways you can do that safely on your body. A lot of these techniques are, are taken from a dance field called contact improvisation. Mm -hmm. It's about taking weight on your legs, on different parts of your body. So things like this organza, you can use it for a lot of rough and tumble play. You can swing your child, bounce your child. There's two adults, they're firmly on the fabric. The fabric's not going to break, it's very synthetic. Mm -hmm. It's a lovely thing, but it can also be calm. And, and it also has this lovely, because you're controlling it, it's not some kind of toy, you press a button and it goes off. You have the ability to regulate it in time with your child. So if your child's feeling incredibly hyper and is very worked up, you start off with them at their level of excitement and then you can gradually bring it down. And when you're rocking them in something from fast, eventually to slow, maybe the music changes if you've got some music on or you're singing along, if you have a beautiful voice like yourself, <laughs> and bring the, the pace down and the melody softer, you can help them calm down, support their nervous system to find that parasympathetic rhythm that they're looking for, that they're still, you know, not so expert at finding. I mean, God knows, as adults, we're not great at finding it sometimes when right. we need it. Right. But we know that infants and toddlers are really working to self-regulate. Yeah, this is the primary thing they need to mm -hmm. learn from us. Mm -hmm. Not overstimulate, not mm -hmm. to stimulate. It's, it's not about stimulating a, a young baby. Yeah. There's enough in the world, and they're completely pre-programmed to be stimulated. They're looking for that all the time. They're excited. They're excited by the feeling of their food being digested. Right. They're excited by the corner of a wall, a white wall where it goes into shadow. They get hypnotized, you know, their senses are being bombarded, they're all linked up, they smell things they see, they feel the rhythm of something physically, you know, it's all this kind of sensorama world. And what we need to help them say, okay, it's sensorama, but when you're tired, you need to kind of have some time to digest all this information you've taken in, and that comes with calming down, finding that space of release and relaxation mm. so when you're using props rather than toys you know you you as an adult take that responsibility on to kind of tune into your child's level of excitement mm -hmm. and play which is a play is a conversation that's isn't it? it yes sometimes you take the upper hand sometimes you're the one that's getting them excited you know it's exactly but i i love what you said about how you are reading your child and it becomes an interactive moment mm. instead of what happens when we put our child in say a bouncer that has lovely pre-programmed settings but is not going to respond to specifically mm. what what you see your child doing or needing, you can do that. Yes, exactly. And that's what creates the bond. Mm. That's what brings out these moments of communication. You know, so I will just have some kind of prop, some kind of idea in the space. And we watch the children. And then we take our cue from the children. 
So we'll pick out, oh, this is what somebody's doing this, somebody's interested in this. And rather than kind of second-guessing what their intention is, what I like to bring people to notice, what I invite parents to notice, is what is their physical action here? So often we, it's, it's the same as the movement milestones, we look at the milestone, the kind of thing we're trying to achieve, rather than how we try to achieve it. And I think it's really... It's funny because it's actually quite difficult for families to find even groups of other families or classes for children and caregivers that are not highly structured. Yes. Where everyone needs to be doing the same thing at the same time. But I love your classes because actually there's a lot of, okay, here is a prop and it's sort of like, okay, let's see what everybody does with it. And what you find is that, you know, there's a lot of interest in the props. Mm -hmm. They're nice little developments between parent and child. And then at some point, depending on the age, of course, the babies start to interact with each other. And the parents can sit back and we watch without judgment, with total respect, just see what's happening. And it gives parents an opportunity to see their child in relation to other children to see their child with a slightly distance, it's a kind of a, a term I take from a discipline called authentic movement, from, as a witness. Mm. You're witnessing what's happening and just appreciating your child for who they are. You kind of see their personality more clearly rather than their personality in relationship to yours, yes. in relationship to that emotional connection, which is of course is really important. Mm-hmm. But as in the day-to-day run of the middle of parenting... It's always emotional. And often, you know, you get stuck in these things where, oh, they're doing this too because I, they know I have to rush out the house right now and they've just got so interested in these bloody pebbles. You know, I need to get out. <laughs> you know, of course, it's nothing to do with that. They're just really interested. These pebbles are amazing. And if you actually had the time or could take the time at that moment to get on your knees and look at the pebbles too, you'd see them in a different light. It might change your world. It might blow you away. Now, you can't do that day to day. But if you're in a class and you sit back and you see what your baby's doing with maybe not pebbles, that's kind of a bit risky to introduce, <laughs> um, but, you know, with the big spiders of fabric or the big physio balls, that's another thing, or a feather, now feathers, then you get a different appreciation. Yes. So shall I talk about feathers? Oh, let's hear it. Because I do love it. Okay, story. everybody, marabou feathers, at least, uh, it's hard to find a good length, but you need kind of at least six inches, I'd say. And you need to get a proportion of the uh, the stalk of the feather. I don't so the kind of the the stem, yes. kind of the bit that's running through the middle, <laughs> has to be quite thin, and the fluffy bits have to be quite big because that means they fall slowly and very beautifully. And that's why marabou feathers rather than chicken feathers. A feather, you've got so much. So the props I use apply to all age groups. So with a tiny baby, it's tickling, it's texture, it's sensation. It's watching the general movement and the quality of movement, yeah? And the the quality of how you might touch it on the skin, the softness of it. With an older child, it's how the feather responds. So blowing the feather, blowing it along the floor, blowing it off someone's hand, where is it going to land? It's the perfect way to teach babies to catch. You drop the feather, they stand there with both their hands together, 
looking where it's going to fall. For children, you know, you can encourage children to bring softness into their bodies. It brings softness into adults' bodies. You give, you know, a group of parents and two and three-year-olds a feather to play with between them. Mm. And suddenly the parents, you know, go from like, ow, 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 it's hard to kind of get on my knees and off to like, oh, I'm just rolling here. Isn't this lovely? Because they look at the feather and their bodies just take on this characteristic. So magical things happen when we get in touch with our physical selves and we stop thinking about it and just let our intuition, that physical sense that we kind of seem to forget in our lives. It's not supported. When we reconnect with that, it speaks to us and it reminds us of this kind of joy of being human and being a physical body. And, and I think it's a gift that we can pass on and that people can interpret however they wish in their family. But it's, I think it's a treasure. Oh my gosh, absolutely. <laughs> Anya, thank you so much. It's bringing these kinds of experiences into the home, into the interaction with with you as the parent and your small child. And we don't need fancy toys, as we know. So, and as yeah. I always am pounding into my listeners' yes. skulls every week on Strength in Words, I look forward to hearing about how people have used these props and how it's inspired you to engage with your child. So, Anya, thank you so much. It's been great to have you. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's been lovely to speak to you, Ella. Thanks for being here, see you later. What will you do the rest of your day? Goodbye to the babies, goodbye to the toddlers. Goodbye bigger kids, goodbye all the siblings. Goodbye to the grown-ups, goodbye to the singers. Goodbye Ayala, goodbye to this music. We laughed and we played, we're getting very clever. This is what counts being here together. Thanks so much, everyone. For a transcript of the interview or instructions to make and ideas for how to use your very own DIY cloud bed for movement, you can head over to my website, strengthandwords.com. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher, as well as streamed straight from my website. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe, rate, and review on any and all of those forums. If you feel so inclined to support what we're doing here at Strength in Words, you can do so by visiting my website and clicking on the link to either make a one-time donation or by becoming a patron of Strength in Words on Patreon. I'll be here again next week.